Welcome to episode 67 of Monday State of Mind. My name is Michael Mazel, and I am the Director of Alumni and Recovery Support Services for the Harmony Foundation. We are in August. Oh my goodness, I kicked it off with our topic last week, and I am so excited for all of you to meet this amazing, amazing human that is with me today to talk about the topic that I presented to you guys last week, which the topic that we are on for August is getting comfortable, being comfortable in sobriety, allowing ourselves to be grateful and to be deserving of what we have now that we've chosen this way of life. Because a lot of us, we struggle with asking ourselves, like, why me? Why do I get these gifts when I was like a dumpster on fire in the middle of the freeway. Before we dive into this episode with this amazing human, I do want to let all of you know, if this is your first time tuning into Monday State of Mind, after you listen to this episode, head on back to episode one and take those first five minutes that that episode consists of and get to know me and the why behind Monday State of Mind a little bit better. Okay. Sip that coffee, Get present with me and this human for the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so and uh, hear what she has to say. So, like I always say, I never introduce my guests. They introduce themselves. Who do I have the distinct pleasure of having on Monday State of Mind? Hi, Michael. My name is Cheryl Oser. I am the Client Relations Specialist at the Bridge to Recovery in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I'm so honored to be here with you today. When I met Shira, it was like, we knew we were already friends before we even knew one another. And honestly, you guys, I have to say that happens in recovery. It's like, you see these humans and you're connected. I swear we were like best friends in a previous life. Maybe we were unicorns. I don't know, but it, whatever it was, it was freaking magical. And Shira's sobriety is magical. And I love how she talks about it. And I love how honest she is about it, which is why I'm, I was like, I have to have her on the podcast. She needs to share this with the world to be able to help someone to know that they're not alone in their thoughts. So Shira, my main lady, when I asked you to come on to talk about this topic of being comfortable with accepting the gifts and, you know, allowing ourselves to live great lives in recovery? Like what were some thoughts that came immediately to your mind? Well, that's really interesting because when you presented that topic to me, the first thing I thought was about the discomfort that I experienced before. Tell me about your comfort. And so I think about discomfort. I don't know why. Maybe it's for comparison reason. Maybe it's for so that I can kind of measure the differences that I've experienced, but what's really interesting because this whole journey is just that it's a journey. And so there's always these new things being revealed. I don't know if in Colorado, the, the term peeling the onion is a thing, but here in Kentucky, it is, and we're constantly <laughs> peeling the onion. And I think it was maybe last year at some point I was talking to a lady and I was like, 
when am I going to stop peeling this onion? And she was like, when you're dead. And I was like, oh, never mind. (laughs) But when we're talking about the gifts that I have received and learning how to be okay, what I think about is when I was not okay. And from such an early age, probably around 11 or 12 years old is when I can clearly remember not feeling okay, not feeling okay around other people, feeling uncomfortable. And I didn't know why. Something like, this is the best way I know to describe it. Like I would just always wanted to unzip my skin suit and step out of my skin. Or for so many years of my life, I felt like if I did not use some kind of substance for some relief, whether it be alcohol or, or drugs or food or any, anything really to kind of numb what was going on with me, I would feel like I was going to either spontaneously combust or melt into a puddle. I was just never okay. And I don't know why. The rest of my family, my parents, they've been married 51 years. My brother is a fairly balanced individual. They practiced religion and that worked for them and they had great faith and still do. And they did not have the same kind of struggles that I personally have, but I turned to substances and alcohol. It was a really quick fix. The first time I drank alcohol, I'll never forget it. I was in seventh grade. I was terribly sick the next day. I don't really remember what I did. I was just at my friend's house in her basement and I felt horrible. And I just remember thinking, I cannot wait to do that again. Like, yes, that was so good. And so I just was never, I just never felt okay, no matter what I did. And uh, I was always searching out doctors to, to fix me and other people and my family and nothing worked. Nothing ever worked. Dude. And so now in sobriety, Things are working. I love the analogy that you said. I wanted to like unzip my skin and like yeah. step out of my body and go into someone else's. And so now looking at recovery, and I also love that you said, you know, Michael, I looked at the discomfort and yeah, and that's exactly it. There's so much discomfort with us. I'll speak for myself. I found so much discomfort with accepting that I can have a good life. I don't have to mm. use substances. Like I can hold a job people like me. And there's that deservability that still gets to me only being five years on this journey. It still, it gets to me. And so do you ever have those feelings too? Oh, absolutely. I most definitely have those feelings. There's this thing where I've been able to recognize that when I came into recovery, I felt so terrible about myself already. All the shame, guilt, and remorse of decisions I had made, people that I had hurt, where I was in life. I was 38 years old when I began my journey in recovery. And when I would look around at people that I had gone to school with and grew up with, and they seemed to be, you know, balanced individuals living their life, I would feel envy and I would feel regret for the decisions I had made. I had children that grew up in my home during all of those years. I had a lot of regret and remorse and shame around the things that they experienced and were a part of and were a witness to uh, and all the things that I wasn't able to do for them. And so coming into recovery with all of that, it's like I was carrying around 
a bat and just like beating myself up all the time. I was already on the ground and I desperately needed to be like stood up on my feet. And I found some women that I hung around long enough with that helped me do that. And it was little things like, Shara, when someone compliments you, all you have to say is thank you, period. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to tell them that that top that they said was cute was only $5. You don't have to say, oh, this old thing, or you don't have to say, oh, well, yeah, I washed my hair today. You know, you can just say thank you. And that is the first thing I remember doing that was like so uncomfortable. So I'd say, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and like close my lips really tight, you know, and just, and I, my eyes are like big. And the lady that told me that she'd look at me and just laugh. It's just been, that was the first thing that I can recall where it was like, you don't have to be so mean to yourself anymore, you know, because that doesn't work for me anyway. It just doesn't work for me. I've just been so mean to myself for so long. And I think that it's just really common in our community to kind of, you know, we're always beating back our ego and stuff like that. But ego in reverse is the, is the opposite. It's still ego. It's just, I think I'm a piece of shit all the time. I, and there's common themes in my life where, you know, when I started working out here three and a half years ago, for probably the first two and a half years, I thought I was going to get fired all the time over, <laughs> I was doing a really good job from what I understand. My reviews were always really good. I had become a dependable employee. I could show up to work and do my job and all of those. But I just thought if I messed up one little thing that I was going to be fired and the people that I work with and around, they help me see that I'm a human being. Like I get to be human. I get to make mistakes. In fact, I need to make mistakes so that I can learn a better way. I need to fail at things so that I know what success is. Otherwise, how do I know the difference? To think that I'm going to do everything perfect is, it, it's an impossibility and it will make me crazy. And so allowing myself to let people say, Shira, you, you're beautiful inside and out. Just to say that right now, my insides want to curl because I'm like, don't say that. That sounds arrogant. But the fact of the matter is, is that I've heard that from people and it's really kind and it makes me feel good. And I want to make other people feel good about themselves. I want to be a beautiful person. I believe I was put on this planet along with the rest of us to share that beauty and to share that hope and to help one another. I mean, we're all searching for that connection anyways, right? And so if someone says something nice that, to me like that, that feels really good. But you know what the, the most important thing about that is that I believe that about myself. And that's where I can struggle the most. But anymore, I know that fundamentally that is deep down inside of me. And I'm just fighting myself if I'm going against that. Oh, I love everything you said, but I love what I love the most is that it's the topic of like deservability. We are deserving. And then your go-to feeling of when you have this job is like, I'm going to get fired. I, I, I can't do this. Like, why me? Like I, I was, I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. How am I at this job that people trust me? And I think the one thing I'll offer it's that time and patience thing, right? It's like, Hey, we're not going to be comfortable right away, but to also have a level of, of trust when people say like, we're doing good things and it's because we're staying sober. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking about that this morning, you know, it, it, I know that in 
early recovery, like really early recovery. I'm talking like 30, 60, 90 days. I have a full understanding that that is really difficult. I had no way to ground to the fact that, yes, you're feeling this way about yourself, but it will get better. I had nothing to base that on. I was scared to death. I thought, I don't know if this is going to get better. I don't know if this is going to get better. I don't know if I'll ever feel better. I'll never be deserving. I'll never have what they have. That woman over there has got her shit together and she's got her kids are happy and she's got a nice home and, and she laughs and, and she helps people. And I, I mean, I can't ever, I couldn't picture myself doing that. And for whatever reason, I still stay. Well, I do know what reason I stayed anyways was because I didn't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do. And I was really, really, really sick of um, everything else. But as I hung around and the longer I stayed and when the cloud lifted, the fog lifted a little, you know, at, at 30 days sober, I was physically as sober as I was ever going to be. Right. And so I had to kind of get through that part and then got to really dig. And you know what? That digging just never stops. I just now have more evidence that it works. I have, as the longer I stay around, the more I do this, the more willing I am to continue to dig at the things that present themselves to me. And, and what I believe is the perfect timing when I am able to, to work on these things. As long as I'm willing to continue doing that, I have evidence now that it works and then I'll get to, I'll get to experience more things and I'll be, and I'll have more of that onion peeled and it'll be like, oh, wow, wow. And you know, life is good. So good. It's unbelievable. All those things that I was describing about those ladies that I was watching early on, I get to experience that now. I mean, my life is full and, and I get to experience gratitude on it on a almost everyday basis. I mean, let's be fair. I have bad days, you know, but it's not a bad life. Hey, I can have a bad day because I'm human, but it's not a bad life. And uh, I get to feel what gratitude feels like today. And so Shira, this is what I want you to say to that person who's struggling to accept, right? Because I talked about in my first uh, episode of the month about, I see so many people that are getting sober. They start to get the gifts and life starts to get good. And they feel so much shame and guilt around having a good life. And it's so uncomfortable that they go back out. They go back to drinking and using, even though they know that it's, it might kill them, but they're like, that is safe. And that's what I know. So I would rather do that than stay in this uncomfortable area. Like you just talked about and get through it right to the other side. And so can you speak to that? Like, what would you say to that person that's like on that cusp? That's like, I can't do this. Like, it's not for me. Like, why me? Like, I can't, I, I need, I need to go back. Well, first I would have to ask, but why not? And what I was taught was when you get this, get to experience this gift, when you have entered the realm of something you've never experienced before, and that's what recovery was for me how dare I not share that with someone else? And if I don't continue on, I don't get to share that with someone else. Everyone is worthy of recovery. And the sad thing is that a lot of people will never see recovery. They'll never give it a shot. And I don't know why that is. And I can't explain it. And it's not for me to understand or know. And, and that just has to be okay. You know, there's a lady that 
she's her she's got this phrase she says it all the time she says and that's okay she says it to everything so and so relapsed and that's okay you know like i got fired and that's okay i had a baby that's okay you know i'm having a hard time with my husband right now and that's okay i don't need to understand everything lord please don't i i, I like i can't for one i i need to trust i need to try to stay present i need to do what I know has worked. And, and I collected that evidence just a little bit at a time, you know, from my very first day sober, like, okay, I stayed sober all day yesterday. I'm going to try this again tomorrow. And I'll never forget the first time that two days went by in a row and I hadn't thought about a drink. And that was my first spiritual experience. I was like, oh my gosh. And I got a little excited when I heard a girl talk in a meeting that said something that resonated with me, I finally got the courage up to go talk to her after the meeting and just say, I really liked what you shared, you know, and I was, <laughs> I didn't know how to make friends. I, I wanted to like hang out with these people that look like that they were having fun in the rooms. And, and I still felt different from them. Like, well, here I, I felt different my whole life. And and here I am still feeling different. And I just had to call deep on my courage and just walk up to somebody one time and just say, I really liked what you shared. And she was like, oh yeah, I really liked what you shared too. Do you want, you know, do you want to trade numbers? And, and I didn't ever get the balls up to call her, but she called me because she'd been around a little bit longer and she checked on me one day. And now it's like one of my dearest friends. And it just started with the first thing, just the first little act of, I'm going to do the thing that is, that is, I'm getting this signal. It's like, you want to tell this girl something. You want to talk to her right now. You don't want to leave this parking lot all alone because that feels horrible. You want to say something to this girl, go say something to her. And if I will listen to that voice, so many miracles have happened through that. I would say to the person that's struggling and doesn't feel deserving, I don't even know what that means deserve it. What does that mean? Like I'm, I'm sucking air still. So obviously I have a purpose. I, I, there's a reason why I'm still here. I'm not intended to be here just to suffer. You know, I don't believe that in the least bit I've gotten to experience it. And so I would just say, just call deep on your courage. Just do that little thing that that voice in your, in your head or your heart or wherever it is, is is telling you step out on a, just a little bit of faith and just see what happens and gather that evidence. And why not? I mean, that was just my experience. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any other options. I just didn't feel like I had any other options. And that's not true. I could have chosen other things, but I was just personally at the point where I just could not stand to be awake, alive, or any of those things any longer. And I desperately wanted something different. So I had to do something different. You know, I hope whoever needed to hear that, I hope that you heard what Shira just said. And Shira, like the last thing I want to ask you, getting into that acceptance, right? Getting into being like, I am deserving of this. I am like worthy. What has that done for your state of mind? Oh, Lord, I have been gifted the gift <laughs> of practicing that because that is how it works for me. I have to practice that. It's not just like something bopped me over the head and I was like, yeah, I'm deserving of recovery. It was like, no, this is okay. You are deserving of having this life. 
but simply because I was born, I was created for a reason. Simply because I was born, I don't have to do anything to earn that. If I get the gifts of sobriety, if I get the gifts of gratitude, if I get the gifts of friendship and all of those things, that's all due to the work that I'm doing to get it. You know, that, that is all, if I get the gifts of self-esteem, it's because I'm working on my self-esteem and not expecting someone else to give it to me. It's all about what is it that I'm looking at today, but I'm deserving of it because I was born, because I have breath left in me, because my heart is beating. And I believe all of us are. Oh, guys, there you have it. Shira, thank you for being here. And thank you for just being so open. And you guys, if you can't hear it in her voice with like the conviction of just how possible it is and that you can do this, then, you know, I can't help you. I'm just kidding. But I'm like, I hope you hear it. Like, I really hope that you hear it in Shira's voice. And Shira, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me here. I was so nervous, man. I was like, oh, I don't word vomit all over the place. But you know what? It's just like anything else. I asked for help with it. Just give me the words to hopefully help another human being. And that's exactly what Shira did. (laughs) I'm like, ladies and gents, Shira is out of here (laughs) and with that being said to all you amazing humans that are listening today i want to end this episode by reminding you if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction please call the harmony foundation at 866-686-7867 recovery is a journey and harmony gives you the map we'll see you next week 